This program is sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Zion's sake, I'll not hold my peace. Welcome to For Zion's Sake. Isaiah 62.1 is taken directly out of the Hebrew Scriptures when the prophet Isaiah declared, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. Your hosts for the program are Shelley and June Volk, Jewish believers burdened to see Jew and Gentile become one. Believers strengthened in their faith and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. We thank you for joining us. We're the Volks. My name is Shelley. And my name is June. Hi, everyone. It's good to be with you as we begin a new week of broadcasting. And the theme this week is triumphing, getting the victory in and through the Lord. And we'd like to start by me reading a devotion written by a tremendous man of God, E. Stanley Jones, who was a missionary in India for over 50 years. The devotion is entitled, The Grace of Our Lord Overflowed. We turn now from the epistles written to churches to epistles written to individuals. When Paul told the churches that they were in Christ, he thought of Christ as a corporate person, to be in him was to be in a divine society. He also he is also a personal person, however, and one can be in him as an individual. The letters known as the pastoral epistles emphasize this. Paul gives his personal testimony to a person, Timothy. Though I formally blasphemed and persecuted and insulted him, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me, with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. That's 1 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. The grace of our Lord overflowed. It couldn't be kept within the bounds of legality. Paul was guilty before the law, nor could it be confined to the good. It overflowed to him, though his hands were stained with blood. It overflowed and found him. He never got over the wonder and surprise of it. The most beautiful introduction I ever heard was by a bishop when he called out his wife. Here is the lovely lady. Thirty-five years ago, I looked into the limpid depths of her eyes, and I've never forgotten, gotten over the spell of it. Paul felt that way. He looked into the limpid depths of the eyes of Jesus and saw faith and love there, faith in him in spite of what he was, and love for him in spite of what he had done, and he never got over the spell of it. Nor have I. Fifty-nine years ago, I looked into his eyes and saw forgiveness there, and I've never gotten over the spell of it, and never will. Faith in me, think of it. Love for me, think of it. It's incredible. Yet looking at him, it becomes the most credible thing in all the world. He being what he is, could not do other than just that. The incredible, credible thing is the person. His grace overflows all boundaries and barriers of unworthiness 
and reaches us redemptively. Journey, what, what a statement by this man of God. He, he couldn't contain himself because of the fact that despite who he was, Jesus redeemed him. And you know, Shelley, to our Jewish listeners who don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, it, it could sound very foreign to see the eyes of the Lord, to see the face of the Lord, but it's very Jewish because in Psalm 27, the Lord told David, seek ye my face. Yes. And David said, your face, Lord, will I seek. And you know, the Torah tells us that the Lord is God. And so when we speak to the Lord, when we seek the Lord, who do we see? And what Jesus did for us on the cross, which is foreign to a Jew, he became a curse for us because it was a curse for any Jew to die on a tree. So Jesus became a curse for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Yes, and that's extravagant, it's, Shelley. It's... That's beyond because after his resurrection, he sent us his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Well, Junie, let's start with a question. And the question is this. Have you ever found yourself without adequate words to, to express your love and appreciation for the Lord? Junie, many times when I say, thank you, Lord, I feel it's so inadequate that I say to the Lord, I don't have the words, Lord, to express what I feel in my heart. And reading about Paul's life throughout this past week, I see that Paul was made aware of the extraordinary and extravagance of God. And he probably felt the same way. And he was limited by an ordinary language. However, Paul coined new words to express the victory over sin and grace that became available to believers, especially on the day of Pentecost. And that's when the spirit of God was poured out. Um, upon 120 Jewish people in the upper room. And you know, Shelley, to our Jewish listeners, Pentecost sounds foreign, but it didn't come out of nowhere. Really? And to our church listeners, or even unbelievers, Pentecost sounds churchy or Christian, but the truth is Pentecost was Shavuot, right. which came 50 days after Passover. And Jesus was our Passover lamb. So on Pentecost, on Shavuot, the Holy Spirit came and fell on all the believers in that room who were all Jews, 120 believers. And they were filled with the Holy yes, Spirit, Lord. the Spirit of truth. So we really need to see that Yeshua, Jesus, is King of the Jews. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord God of Israel, and he's the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. So Paul actually brought in new words into the Greek language because he couldn't be limited just by ordinary language. And that was really these words that he coined in the Bible are a reflection of Paul's relationship and love he had for the Lord. So we're going to be looking at some of these words, but before that, 
I sensed the Lord in studying this past week. He gave me a word, and you used it already, Junie, and that word is extravagant. And we need to look at the definition of extravagant and see how Paul was extravagant extravagant in his words and the style of life that he lived. Extravagant, one definition is lacking restraint in using resources. And Junie, if we relate this to a, a spiritual issue, Jesus has given us upon salvation resources that we, they're limitless. And Paul said, uh, extravagant is lacking restraint. In other words, we're not restrained in using these resources. Another synonym for extravagant is lavish. And now listen to this, Junie. Another definition for extravagant, exceeding what is reasonable. How many believers just try to live a reasonable life, but this isn't reasonable. We're talking about a supernatural life. We can't be ordinary. We can't be predictable. We got to be men and women inspired and living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you know, Shelley, we're told that in Romans 8 about walking in the Spirit. If we walk in the spirit, we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, and we're not living with our own understanding or mindset, which we're warned about in the Old Testament, and we're not living with what our flesh is telling us to do. And the resurrected Messiah living in us, if we're born again, if we've asked Jesus to come into our heart, and to live his life in and through us, there's no restraint, Shelley, in the Holy Spirit. We restrain the Spirit by living a carnal, fleshly life. A limited life also. One more definition of extravagant. And I pray you, this this word has spoken to Junie and me, and I pray it speaks to you. Another definition of extravagant, going beyond a normal limit. Oh, hallelujah. How often are we limited because we don't want to seem maybe too spiritual or we're thinking something and we don't want to talk about it. Listen, it's time in this day and age where chaos and darkness is so encroaching the world. We need to go beyond a normal limit and live a supernatural life that's extravagant that gives glory to God, that words can't express it, but a demonstration of that life will speak probably even more powerfully than words. And Paul had both that life and the words. So let's get an example of this before we close. Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. We're going to be reading from uh, verses 11 to 15 in chapter 2 of Colossians in whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the circumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That word triumphing 
was a word coined by Paul over and above just triumph. And we're going to talk about words like this. For example, this Greek word is pronounced something like triambuo. This is more than just triumph. This is triumphing over them. Paul defeated the powers and principalities. He's disarmed them. And this, what he accomplished at Jesus, what Jesus accomplished at the cross, accomplished this for us. Are we living the triumphing life or are we so fearful of these powers and rulers? We have to come into the extravagant resources that Jesus has already provided, so much of which was accomplished at the cross at Calvary. We need to become extravagant people. This word, Triambuo was not part of the Greek language, but Paul had to add it because he would, he couldn't be limited in how his how his life was affected by what Jesus accomplished. It, it, it became a supernatural life. Can we apply this word in our life? This should give us courage and strength to achieve a victory over the enemy that's been disarmed when Jesus died on the cross. Junie, this is exciting, and I hope that over the week, we encourage everyone. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank, thank you, Lord. you, for Paul. And thank you for the life that he demonstrates. He even says, imitate me as I follow Christ. Lord, thank let us Lord. all imitate you and live extravagant lives that demonstrate we serve a living Savior. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. If you would like to get in touch with Shelly and June, you can write to them at P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. That's P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. And you can also contact them on their website, ShellyAndJuneVolk.com. That's ShellyAndJuneVolk.com. Until next time, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This program was sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund.